What's up, guys? It's Matt. On today's episode of the TKW Podcast, Kyle Maggio and I talk about the Summer Knicks. We go through the glory that is Kevin Knox, Mitchell Robinson, and then we talk a little bit about Frank Nielakina, Damian Dotson, and Alonzo Trier. Talk about their performances, what we should expect from them moving forward, and how we feel about them going into the season. So without further ado, let's go. Hello, folks, and welcome to the TKW Podcast. I'm Matt Spendley, and I'm joined, as always, by Kyle Maggio. What's going on, buddy? Nothing much, man. What's up with you? I'm just still intoxicated from the last three summer league games with our, you know, close personal friend Kevin Knox. It's been something else, I gotta say. And I was I was joking about it because I was tweeting the game last night. It's the first time I can remember in a long time for a Knicks game, like standing in front of my TV and yelling because I had some of my friends there, and I'm just like, is this really happening? Is is Kevin Knox going off in the third? Because I kind of tuned it out. I was still tweeting clips and everything, but I wasn't paying as close attention i was having a conversation you know if knox or robinson did something i was clipping it but i wasn't exactly as invested in the game as i was previously just your general feeling describe what it was like to watch kevin knox come to be the best nick of all time right before your eyes Uh, it's a good feeling it's humbling uh rewarding after all these years of suffering um I mean, we know we have to take these things with a gigantic grain of salt. Yeah. But the, I think the most important thing is um, something we, you know, talk about a lot is making sure he looks like he doesn't belong in the summer league in a good way, making sure he's just killing the competition. So he's a step, a level above those guys. And he's shown that three times in a row now he's shown that. And the second thing is some of those, I guess, faults that we had for him coming out of college, um, hit the motor issues, his energy level, his aggressiveness at times. All those seem to have been wiped by the wayside. I mean, a lot of draft guys seem kind of flabbergasted now that, well, had we seen this Kentucky got, you know, version of Knox for the whole year, I mean, he wouldn't have been top five. It meant, uh, you know, wouldn't have dropped past the top five. Right. So I, I know we got to take these things with a big grain of salt. It is the summer league. Once the actual games start, even the preseason, things might be drastically different. I understand that. But the fact is, we heard he was a great athlete. We're seeing him just like two-hand slam over people, not just the one-hand little body dip into the slam. He's just two-hand yamming on people, um, just really using a lot of speed, a lot of aggressiveness. I mean, those are things that would translate well with his size and you know the upside that was always talked about. So... I'm cautiously optimistic, and uh, I'd love to go even further into this hype train after you know doing my 180 and being kind of mum about him to begin with. A big 180. Yeah, the I, biggest I mean, 180. I, I never hated him. <laughs> I, you know, I, I just didn't. I kept saying I was like, yeah, I get why they would draft him, but I don't see it. That was my whole stance. But that, then, that, well, let's talk about this for a second because I have a couple points to what you just mentioned. Number one is showing things he didn't show in college. This happens to Kentucky players every single year. Carl Towns didn't shoot threes in college. He came into the NBA, and he's uh, the best three-point shooter that the Timberwolves have. That's not saying much considering their roster, but still, he's a good three-point shooter. Shea Gildas-Alexander's already shown a bunch of skills that we didn't necessarily see. 
Kentucky's system doesn't always lend itself to the NBA. We know that we see the surface level of the ability of a lot of these guys, but it doesn't always emulate everything that they are going to be. So even defensively, we've seen Knox be better than a lot of pundits have said he could be. And I certainly was not crazy about his defense. I didn't think he'd be a liability, but I also didn't think that he'd be some sort of you know, defensive plus right away, which he certainly still might not be, but he's been better than I expected on that end for sure. Yeah, I mean, mo- most of it for me was, I think, just the aggressiveness. Like, a lot of what we watched on tape was, uh, you know, I wouldn't say he was that aggressive. He was. I agree. That was my biggest way. concern going into it. Aggression level, which has been there in the summer league to the nth degree. Yeah, and a lot of it, too, was just like, even just on the drives to the rim, it's like now he's looking to get to the rim on a drive, where before he was okay kind of going away from the rim, like that little uh, floater. Yeah. He would just kind of, you know, give up on that last step and go floater, which is a great move to have in your bag. But, you know, sometimes when you got a frame like that, you want to use it and get those fingers right to the rim. And he's done that every game. He's gotten fouled a lot. So I I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's encouraging because I don't want to make it sound like it's the KP thing in the summer league where he came in and we're like, oh, maybe he's not just going to be – you know, a wacky, you know, inflatable arm guy for the entire year. Yeah. You know, not just a project player. So I'm, ca- I'm as I always am, I'm cautiously optimistic. Well, let's talk about that specifically, the overreaction part of this, because our own Jonathan Macri wrote a great piece today on the com, which you all should check out, about overreacting to the Summer League. And he specifically talked about Mitchell Robinson, Frank Nielakina, and Kevin Knox. There's plenty of reason to not be that over the moon excited because it's summer league and I get it. But I think a lot of times what we see from summer league for the not people saying not to overreact, that should be for guys that we've seen play in the NBA. So for example, if Frank came out here and was putting up 20 a game, I wouldn't be over the moon excited. I would just say we've seen him play in the NBA. We've seen him play 80 games in the NBA last year. Sure, he could have improved over the offseason, but I'm not expecting those improvements for him all of a sudden to be a 15-point-per-game scorer. It's the rookies that you want to see. So when we're thinking last year, I know this is something you tweeted about, and it's something that's been mentioned. Jason Tatum and Donovan Mitchell impressed right away, and we watched Summer League and said, these guys are better than everyone else here. Knox, despite some minor efficiency concerns, which he might have as a rookie. I don't think that there's any reason for us to think he's going to be a 48% shooter as a rookie, although it's possible. He's jumped off the page right away, and he's been making buzz not only in Knicks circles, like, and it helps that it's the Knicks because the Knicks are always going to get attention, but people around the NBA are saying, holy shit, what is this guy doing and why didn't we see this before? Yeah, I, I don't know. That, that's really it. it. It's like you know when you see it. That's why I try not to go, you know, I don't want to like lambast people for the stats, which I'm sure you're going to laugh at, but don't just, this, the summer league isn't about efficiency. That is the most egregious thing you've ever said in my life. That is the <laughs> most, Kyle stays making fun of me in the Slack channel all day, calls me the TI-84 calculator. That's his picture for me in my phone is a calculator. And then he comes out here saying he's not going to lambast people with the stats. I guess it's just a me thing. Now. <laughs> just, 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 just for the summer league. Only for the summer league because, you know, guys are basically looking to, to get shots up and prove themselves. The guys aren't really just looking for high-level shots. I think everybody should understand that right away. You know, I tweeted the other day, and some people tweeted at me, like, his field goal percentage and his, sh- and his uh, true shooting percentage. And, I don't give a shit about that. 
Yeah, and I don't give a shit about that. What I care about is, does you gotta? This is almost when you only need the eye test of the summer league. Like, I agree. You know when you see it. Strong like, agree. Like you look at Kevin Knox. Kevin Knox could have seven turnovers, and I don't really attribute that to anything because he just got here. He's trying to prove himself. He's going to be aggressive. He's eighteen. Competition uh, competition level just went up. Like, don't tweet me about the turnovers, and don't tweet me about his field goal efficiency. We'll get to that when the season starts. Right now, what matters is is he just basically killing the competition with you know his total stats and and in whole, and is he clearly when you look at it jumping off the screen and he's doing those things and it's yeah it's I'm not gonna sit here and go well now he's Donovan Mitchell you know yeah. the 2018 Donovan Mitchell or anything but right or you know even Jason Tatum who looked just different last summer but that's what you would want you know if had he come in and then only scored five points through three games then we'd be having a different conversation too and you pointed this out on Twitter just because he's this year's Jason Tatum per se doesn't mean he is Jason Tatum the player it means that his performance in this summer league has reminded us of right. that. That's the only thing to keep in mind here, right? to draw the line. But there is so much to be excited about, about Kevin Knox between his build, which, I mean, think about this. His pro comps for his build alone coming into the draft were Tatum and Paul George. So we knew the build was there. That was always something that was one of his strongest traits He's 6'9", he's got long arms. If he can learn how to defend in the NBA, he'll automatically be someone that can defend across multiple positions, which is what you need, a guy that can switch. He, We've pointed this out too, he struggles to go left. If that's going to be our biggest concern for a rookie coming into the year that, oh, he's going to shoot pretty well from three and he can score, but he's going to struggle to dribble left, I think I'm okay with that. And even yesterday, he had a nice move to the left and he finished with his left hand. So it's... We're, we're picking nits a little bit because that's how impressed we've been. Yeah. I mean, it, it seemed like he heard us talking shit yesterday because everybody, everybody on the timeline was tweeting, like, uh, again, he's got he's going to try to finish with the, his right. Again, he's not trying to go left. Right. And then all of a sudden he comes up with that nice little scoop. And that, I don't know. It, it is what it is. You'd, you'd like to at least see him try, but you're right. It is kind of nitpicking because we've seen, you know, a lot of our immediate concerns with him kind of put the rest right off the gate, so I don't, I don't know. Everyone be excited. Don't let anyone tell you that you can't be excited that it's Summer League. Enjoy this. This is what Summer League is about. Don't say anything crazy that you're serious about. Don't have these crazy delusions or grandeur, but there is nothing wrong with being excited about Kevin Knox and having high hopes for what he's going to bring to the table as a rookie because he's going to get every single opportunity to succeed on this roster. Yeah, and the, the last thing I'll say that, it, you know, we used it for Frank Nielakian a lot, but Kevin Knox's shooting form is really oh, nice. It's beautiful. It, it, it's almost, you know, exactly how you draw it up. If you're trying to create a, a very generic way of, of making a form look, he just kind of lines it up and knocks it down. It's very simple. I, I don't know. He seems like he's always squared up. He's he always on balance. So I don't, I don't know. It, it, it's really nice. And, and for a guy that's all, that's a really. Precisely. The, what you want to see. That's what makes the Kevin Durant's of the world so good, is that not only is their shooting form so nice, it's that they're so tall and that they have that type of release that just allows them to get over the top of the defense. One more thing with Knox, and then we'll talk about some of the other guys. I'm sure we'll have Knox intertwined because it's hard not to talk about him. His threes have not only been good NBA three-pointers, he's taking them from two or three feet beyond the arc with defenders in his grill. So it's not like he's just knocking down some open threes in the flow of the offense. He's taken probably four or five threes 
from three feet beyond the arc with defenders right there bearing down on him. That is the type of thing you love to see. And it's a concern about some players once they come into the NBA because the college line is shorter. Are they going to have the strength to be able to get to the rim? Is there going to be the same type of proficiency from three that we saw from them in college? With Knox, between the form, the aggressiveness, the willingness to take that three with the defense there, and just the sheer gall to take it from that far beyond the arc. I've said it. You can go back and watch my video on Knox. His shooting is going to translate from three. And while the efficiency might struggle a bit as a, as a rookie, he's going to be a good NBA three-point shooter before we know it. No doubt about it. So let's talk about someone. We might have a different opinion on this guy because I'm a little more bearish on him. Mitchell Robinson, who's looked fantastic. His athleticism is off the charts. He's blocking everything. He's putting back everything. He's finished every missed layup. It's seemingly he has been around the rim to put back in. What have you seen from Robinson so far in the summer league? He, he's, um, best way to put it is he's ahead of schedule, I guess. I, I thought he was going to be, and he is still very raw and you could see it a lot in his timing, but especially defensively. But, um, I guess we knew about the athleticism, and then it's one thing to hear about the athleticism like you do for so many players, but it's another thing when it kind of jumps out at you. Like, um, that three he had last night where he started from the almost right side of the key at the three-point line, and then they kicked the, the ball out to the shooter in the corner, and then in, I think it was like two and a half strides, Yeah, he caught, he caught up and, and blocked it. So you see that, and, and the, the instincts are very good. And, the, and then that athleticism is second to none to be able to cover that much ground that quickly and block the shot. But a lot of other possessions, whether they called it a foul or not, and he did get called for a lot of fouls, he's reaching kind of foolishly. He's It seems like he's ill-timing it. He's anticipating one thing and something else happens, or he's thrown off by somebody's speed a little bit when he's trying to keep up with them. He's running into guys just body to body. A whole bunch is one thing I noticed, whether he's reaching or not. It just looks... It's little timing things, but overall, just with that athleticism and him being able to even make some of the plays he's made, like that three-pointer I just referenced, shows me he's a little bit ahead of schedule. I thought he was going to spend a lot of, if not most of his time in the G League, at least in the beginning of the season, and I'm not saying he's going to come in and be able to play 25 minutes a night now, but I wouldn't be surprised with what I've seen, and it's still a small sample. Maybe the rest of the games go different at the tourney. But it really seems like this is a guy who could probably get five to ten minutes or so off the bench regularly. Yeah, and defensively is where we're going to see the biggest struggle from him. The learning curve is steep. I tweeted this after their first game, which I watched from a country concert. So I don't know if I watched it as close. Have you ever been to like a country festival, like a country concert at a big place? Nope. I've also never been to a country concert in a small place. So so you can explain this to me. (laughs) I had a good time because I like seeing my family and I didn't really care much for the music and it was nice out. The characters that you'll see at this place are just hysterical. I was people watching the whole time. So there's a guy that has a shirt that says, um, you know, when you're in America, you either love it, love it or get the hell out. And you see a bunch of shirts like that. And I was just cracking up. It was it was very funny. I didn't stay for as long as I was planning on because I wanted to be able to to get back and kind of watch some more of the highlights from the game. But I digress. It was a funny experience to be sitting there watching NBA Summer League at a country concert when I don't think anything could be further from the minds of all of the rest of the people at that concert 
than the NBA Summer League and especially the New York Knicks. It's very funny to think about. But with Robinson, I tweeted after the first game that his learning curve on defense is going to be steep. And I had a lot of people pushing back at me saying, no, he looked good. He was, he recovered. He blocked some shots. And I said, sure, he's going to block shots because Mm -hmm. he's seven feet tall and he has limbs for days and he's playing against inexperienced players in what is frankly a muddled offense. And I think that's putting it nicely when we're watching summer league in the NBA, if he's doing all the hacking and the, the jumping, he's going to foul out often I don't know if he's going to play enough minutes to foul out, but they need to be careful as to how they develop him because the skills are clearly there. You got to put your kid gloves on with this one and just hold his hand through this because he's the type of big man that you watch and you can see fitting with a good point guard in the NBA. He's a great rim runner. He can protect the rim. So in general, defensively, there's going to be a learning curve, but the signs have been somewhat positive for sure. And people are definitely excited. Yeah, and I think people are also just overlooking his frame, and that goes for any pretty much rookie big man that comes into the league. Typically, they're always going to be scrawnier. they got to put on muscle. they got to adjust to the league. So there's already that issue, and then you also have the issue of sort of the bad habits with the reaching and putting too much body into guys in the post. So, I mean, if you're getting bullied and you're trying to throw your body at somebody kind of recklessly, you're going to foul out quickly. You know, if you're slated for 10 minutes a night and you're committing three, four fouls, as soon as you get out there, I mean, it's, it's not good. You're not going to stay on the floor. Um, but, you know, about those bad habits, that's why it's, you know, a couple summer league games. We're still trying to get a feel for them. It's not a big deal. But uh, to your point, like, you got to be very careful about how you mold them because if you let them, you know, give them too long of a leash, and that's just what he starts doing when he actually gets NBA minutes, you don't want him to kind of keep any of those habits either. Whereas the G League might be a smoother transition for a kid who just played, you know, took a whole year off and, and jumped right to the NBA. So I agree with you there. It's, it's encouraging, but at the same time, you know, we got to temper things too. He's made a bunch of spectacular plays, but there's still, if you look close enough, some reason to be concerned for the actual, you know, defense where he isn't making those blocks. And let's make one thing clear as a second round pick for what he's shown, you should be ecstatic because oh, this yeah. is a second I mean, round pick, you know, if it hits, I mean, that's great. If it doesn't hit, it's not the end of the world. And from what we've seen so far, if they do this right, it should be a hit. Yeah, I mean, he, again, way too early. It, it's been three games. It's been the summer league. I understand. Yep. But just what he's presented in comparison to just other rookies, he looks like a mid to late first round kind of guy, you know, talent wise. That's where he should have went. So, I I don't know. Again, it's encouraging. It's sort of the same thing with Knox. Like when you see it, you see it. And, and he jumps off the screen when he makes some of these spectacular plays. Had it just been like one in three games, you know, it is what it is, or, or one a game. But he's making three or four of these kinds of plays a game. So that's what's encouraging is, is you can kind of see for sure that he has those instincts. But, again, he's always got to clean up a lot of those other little problems. He's playing a bit more than I expected him to. And his stamina is going to take a while to get there. But I didn't expect him to play quite as much as he has in the summer league. I said before that he'll be good for a few highlight plays. But I thought that he would be playing fairly sparingly just because I didn't know if he would be able to keep up. But he's shown some good signs, and I think that there's no reason to not be excited about him too, while also understanding the caveats in his game that are going to prevent him from being a guy they can throw out there from day one like it looks like they're going to be able to do with Kevin Knox. Right. So let's talk about some of the other guys. Uh, A controversial one has been Alonzo Trier, who struggled fairly mightily for major stretches in the summer league. He had a nice showing last night, had 21-10-5. 
did some good work in transition. He's gotten somewhat of a reputation amongst Knicks fans as to uh, not not being the most willing passer, which is something that Arizona fans would also tell you. So get used to that. Despite his struggles, he had a good game last night. And to your point about the stats, we can get into this after you give your take on Trier. But he put up good numbers last night in a summer league game. Let's take those at face value and understand what they mean. Uh, so what have you seen from Trier so far? I mean, the first two games, we, we saw all the bad, it seemed. And then, you know, last night we saw the good. The, the first two games, he, he kind of had a little bit of tunnel vision. And he just, I don't, it kind of just seems like he was forcing shots. Not everything was really clean. He just kind of was getting as many shots up as he could. The context of that is he's on a two-way deal. He's, you know, an, an undrafted guy coming in. He's probably trying to prove himself a little bit, um, especially for a gentleman who calls himself Isozo. So that was a common I, retread in our mentions when we were talking yes. about his lack of passing. They're like, well, his at is ISO. So you should have expected this, which I mean, he's self-aware, so it is what <laughs> it is. But, um, you know, last night we saw like what we were talking about, you know, for the summer league primer where we saw him getting out in transition, kind of a little bit, a little bit more open floor, pushing the pace kind of things. And that's when he's better at his best when he's actually able to get out and take advantage. That's kind of his game, his mm-hmm. bread and butter. So seeing that was encouraging. It seemed like he settled in a little bit last night. It was picking his spots better. And when you watch him last night and even just some of the passes he made were just really, you know, simple, good reads. That's when you can understand why the Knicks, you know, were intrigued with him. Right. So I get it. The, the first two games are hard to watch. And, you know, had this gone the other way, I wonder how the conversation would have been between us right now if, you know, he came out of the gates hot in game one and then he kind of fizzled in games two and three. Maybe we'd be a little bit more ready to believe in him. But uh, what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, to be fair, he was much better. It was either the, I think it was the first game. He was much better in the second half after a rough start. So he kind of recovered there. But from sure, we're seeing what he did at Arizona. He's going to be good for Westchester this year. I have no doubt about that. They're going to rely on him. He's the two-way guy. He's going to have to replace the output of some of the guys that were there last year for them. Because I don't think, we'll get to this guy in a little bit, I don't think Damian Dotson's going to spend a ton of time in Westchester this year. Trey Burke obviously is with the Knicks. You have Xavier Rathon Mace, who we saw play against the Knicks last night, who was great for Westchester last year. They're going to need a guard to provide some scoring output. And Westchester has some other guys. Trier is not a point guard, and he was a bit miscast last night because Neil Aquino was out, which also was something that we were talking with people about. You shouldn't expect this guy to be some great passer. He did have five assists. But nonetheless, I think what I wanted to hone in on him for a second. So you mentioned we saw some good signs from him yesterday. This is the summer league. We should be watching. The stats don't really matter. I don't look at the stats. I have them up here just in case I need to reference anything. I'm watching the game to see how my guy looks. Is Kevin Knox jumping off the screen? Wow, Mitchell Robinson looks like he is dominating out there. Trier's shot selection is a little iffy. And we had some people talking yesterday about how Trier was the reason they lost because he had a really bad plus minus and blah, blah, blah. This is not the type of thing we should be worrying about in summer league. Don't tell me about the plus minus. Don't tell me about the splits. Look, watch the game, watch the highlights. Tell me what you like about his skill set. And this is the exact antithesis of how I usually am, because I think blending these two things is incredibly important. It's what's made basketball so fun. And I don't think we should get bogged down in the numbers, especially with a guy like Trier that is 
acclimating himself to a completely different atmosphere. The team at Arizona this year was one of the strangest teams with Aiton and Rolly Alkins and Parker Jackson, Cartwright and Ristich. They had a very weird team and he had a weird college career. So he's going to take some time to get used to being the guy at Westchester. And he's just sort of settling in. And at the end of the day, he's putting up 17, six and three in the summer league in three games. So I don't know what we're asking for. Yeah. I mean, he's almost exactly going to be Dotson. I don't think Dotson's going to spend a lot of time. Yeah. Um, they're much different players, but they should fill similar roles for Westchester. Yeah, I mean, Dotson last year, he'd go down for the afternoon before coming up at night, and he'd score 25 quick points and then come back to West, uh, back to the Garden. So I'd imagine they're going to have very similar careers, you know, from last year and, and this year. Yep. And uh, speaking of Dotson, he's kind of stunk. Yeah, he's been bad. People have been discouraged. But he's another guy, much like Neil Aquina. I don't really care what he does in summer league. We saw him play in the NBA last year. We saw him put up 30 points in an NBA game. I'm not going to get discouraged because he's had a rough summer league. I'm not, I wasn't going to get encouraged if he went off. I would maybe be a little perked up, but I certainly wouldn't be over the moon or anything like that. What do you think about Dotson's performance so far? He just kind of seems lackadaisical. Yeah, it like, almost that, seems that, like he doesn't want to be there. Like He's just like, oh, I'm here like just because I thought I should, but I'm not going to really take much of an initiative. That's what I see when I'm watching. Yeah, I, I don't see anything... It's not bad. It's just I don't see him engaged, really. And I don't want people to – this is why context is so important in the summer league because sometimes there are guys like this, and then that's why stats get a little wonky and inflated for certain guys. But I don't know. Just I, I just It seems to me like he knows he's going to be on the NBA roster. Yeah. He doesn't, to, he doesn't need to go nuts right now. He's going to get a lot of minutes this year or at least significantly more than last year. I don't, and it's not like they're experimenting with him all that much. Like Frank, they were at least like, hey, go be aggressive today. Like, we need you to shoot 15 shots today. Go do that. That's true. So Frank, Frank's sort of on a mission there. You know, Dotson doesn't – he's still playing shooting guard. They're not doing anything weird. They're not making him a small ball four. Like, they're just go be shooting guard in the summer league. So it it's not fun to see. I think we're all hoping to see him show off a little bit more. But I wouldn't put any stock in it, to be honest. No. Don't sweat about it, guys. It's, it's summer league. We look for the rookies, as I mentioned. We look to see signs from the young guys. And then you get – even I feel like even in the past summer leagues, the Knicks have had like one or two other guys that's kind of been better. And basically it's been uh, Knox, Robinson, and then Neil Aquina, Dotson, and Trier. Like it, it hasn't, a lot of their Westchester guys haven't done much of anything really. But with Dotson, like I mentioned, we're going to see all that we need to see from him in the NBA this year. If he really struggles in the NBA this year, then that's a whole different concern to have. I wouldn't let yourself say, ooh, I'm really worried about Damian Dotson because he kind of looked a little sketchy in the summer league for three games when he's already played in the NBA and he played three to four years in college. I wouldn't sweat it at all. It's been a little disappointing, but I would not be worried about it for a second. That's just my take. Uh, I agree. So beyond that, uh, do you want to talk about Frank at all briefly? Um. We don't have a ton to go off of. That first game, we on both ends of the ball, nobody really thought he played particularly well outside of when he picked Trey Young's pocket. But the second game, he was aggressive. I didn't see him really, and this might be the most unpopular take amongst Knicks fans that I've had since the Kyle O'Quinn rants two oh years boy. ago. But Those were unpopular. Um, Those didn't age well. No, they didn't. They <laughs> aged like milk. So, no, but for... For Frank, I, I don't see what the big deal is with his offensive outburst. It wasn't like he was uh, overpowering anybody or, or really duping anybody. 
a lot of those shots were just kind of difficult shots that he awkwardly hit. I don't – it's encouraging in the sense that he was making them, but I don't see – and I wanted to get excited, you know, like I'm seeing him get the – you know, each bucket, and then I'm starting to realize he's just having a good shooting day, hitting difficult shots. A lot of those were, you know, post-ups, but he didn't lose guys on the post-up. He didn't just, like, turn and rise up. They were, like, contested off one leg kind of – I don't know. Is that hot? No, that's why I don't think it's that hot, but that's why people were excited because they were moves that we hadn't seen from him before. It'd be different if it was him making threes, him with a little pull-up jumper that he likes to do, him in the post. I don't know if you want your point guard playing in the post in 2018, but to have that skill set, I guess, is fine. I I wasn't really that excited either. I said it before. I think I said it on our, our pre-Summer League pod. I didn't care what he did this whole Summer League. He could have scored 30 a game. I would say that's cool. Let's see him be in the NBA this year and play against NBA-level talent, and then we'll have a discussion about whether we should maintain our excitement about him. He's going to be good defensively. You have to wonder if his offense is going to come around, and he'll have to add more. I From him this year, let's, let's talk about more Frank during the NBA season because that's what I care about. I would just really enjoy seeing him knock down that three at a more consistent clip and just get comfortable playing next to the type of guys that he's going to be playing with. And you'd love to see if we're going to have someone like a Mitchell Robinson play some minutes in the NBA this year, if he can handle that, you'd love to see them develop some sort of chemistry because as I mentioned, he can be a weapon in the pick and roll. We've seen Robinson. Some of the fundamental skills are not there. Like even setting a screen for him. He's not a stout screen setter yet. You can see, he just doesn't know what to do with his body. Almost he's so young and it feels like there's a lot that he has to learn about himself before he can even start to maintain any sort of consistent NBA level play. But from Frank, whatever he did in the summer league, I was never going to care. So I don't care right now. So then quick question, counting stats, what would be a successful year for Frank for you? In the context that KP isn't here, you'd imagine his burden is going to be a little heavier. Sure. Than it was with Hornacek last year. So Frank averaged about like five and a half and three and a half last year, right? I mean, if he could get even a modest point increase, if he's scoring between eight and ten, I'm not even going to say ten because I think that might even be asking too much. Depends on how many minutes he plays, of course. But if he can just bump those points up a little bit, I'd love to see the three pointer get to a 34 percent shot for him. Even if his overall field goal percentage still struggles, which I think it probably will because he's still not a great finisher inside. It's a skill that he'll have to work on. I'd love to see that modest point increase. And if he's averaging five assists a game and he's getting his normal steal, sign me up for that and I'm golden. Yeah, I kind of agree. I mean, it'd be nice to see double digits and you can kind of talk yourself into it a little bit. You know, the way I was thinking now was, I mean, what did he average for field goals last year? It was like five or six field goals a game. Yeah, something like that. So so the way I'm thinking is, all right, I mean, KP's gone. You know, a lot of young guys. Frank's a second-year guy now. He'll probably get a little bit more. So basically, let's say he takes three more shots a game. One of them's a two. Uh, one of them's a three-pointer. Yep. He, he hits that regularly. I mean, it, it just seems real easy to talk yourself into eight to ten. But, you know, like you said, he's a timid guy. Let's see, uh, I don't know, baby steps with him still. It's going to depend on how many minutes he gets to, and we're going to see once Fizdale figures out his rotation. Got to be over 30. Got to be over 30 this year. I'd be very a, upset. That's a lot of minutes, though. 30 is a lot of minutes. But last year when he was getting minutes that we hoped he'd get, it was 25-ish. I'm fine with him playing 25. 
I think 30 is fine. I don't, I don't think need 30 him to play over 30. I'm fine with between 25 and 30. I don't need him to be playing 35 minutes it, a game. It, I don't need that. He, all right, but if he starts, I'd imagine he's going to play around 30. But I think that they're going to, Fisto's going to have to sort out this guard rotation. That's going to be one of the biggest things because he still wants to give Emmanuel Moutier a shot. He still wants to give Damian Dotson all the opportunities. And Trey Burke is still here. And then you have Tim Hardaway and Courtney Lee still on the roster. All of a sudden, these minutes are getting a little shorter. I'll be curious to see what he does. I don't need Frank to play over 30 minutes a game. I'm fine with him playing 25 to 30. If he's starting, that's fine. I still think that there's enough minutes to go around where he might not need to. And you want to make sure he's healthy because he was very healthy last year, but he's had, he has a minor groin issue now, which is not a big deal. But you'll remember he had the the issue last year during the summer league, which caused him to miss all of the games, which was very disappointing. But you want to keep this guy healthy, give him the minutes that he can handle, but don't make it go overboard. Same with Knox. I don't need these guys to be playing 35 minutes a game. No, not, Knox shouldn't play over 25 a game. Yeah, I don't need that. But then again, based on what he's shown in summer league, who knows what he can do. He might all of a sudden be there leading scorer from the get-go you never know this is true yeah i think overall knicks fans are incredibly excited from the summer league performances and i think we are all right to be excited about this temper expectations to the point where they're realistic where we won't be let down if these guys struggle but also understand that this is not a small deal that our first round draft pick is the third or fourth leading scorer in the summer league and everyone's talking about it and people are already saying Kevin Knox looks like he could be a great value at number nine. I don't know about you, Kyle, but it's just cool for me. And it happened with Porzingis too. So it's fun to revisit those feelings because it happened minimally with Frank. Even though we all like Frank, the buzz outside wasn't quite the same. People weren't, you know, buzzing about how good he was going to be. It's always refreshing to hear other people talk about the good things that your team is doing when they're coming from the outside. So I'm listening to podcasts. People are talking about, have you seen what Kevin Knox has been doing? Have you seen what Mitchell Robinson's been doing? Those guys look really good, and it looks like the Knicks might have got a couple good players. I in, thoroughly enjoy that, and it's just been well, that's exciting what, we, to listen to. That's what we were talking about last week, no? I mean, exactly we what we said. About, You're right. It's exactly what we said. We said, do do you, not not to sound like we're homers or biased, but, you know, Perry had been making smart moves. That was the conversation we were having. And you brought up, do you think that maybe, you know, it's going unnoticed now when the Knicks are actually just simply not fucking up mm-hmm. and making smart, easy decisions? And then we both spoke about it. We said, yeah. And, and I started, you know, thinking about that when I started seeing uh, guys like Wasserman and uh, other people talking about how good Kevin Knox has looked. And I think it was him specifically who said, oh, had he looked like this in Kentucky, he wouldn't have made it past, you know, made it out of the top five. Right. And, you know, that that is refreshing to hear that for once it is it really honestly that doesn't really happen to us no you know it doesn't you know some people liked frank last year that's it they liked him they were intrigued by him i know some buck fans who you know buck fans who like him i think for obvious reasons with Giannis and length and everything else maybe that but mm-hmm. um i don't know it was it's a nice change of pace it really is yeah and frank was overshadowed because the draft class last year was pretty darn good because you had right behind him dennis smith who had a shitty year, but I guess the numbers say he was good, whatever, if you believe that kind of stuff. Uh, and then you had the, the Tatum thing. You know, he's been really good in Summer League, Jonathan Isaac. I'm really excited for him. I've been buying stock up on him for a long time. He's awesome. I keep, I keep hearing that, and and I'm sorry. It's not even Jonathan Isaac's fault. 
Um, I think I shared that really sad story about him last week. I think we discussed this briefly. Yeah, but, we don't need to revisit that story. It yeah, makes me yeah, sad every time. That was, that's, it's brutal. But anyway, um, I really like him. I, he's very intriguing. And I feel like I say that about every draft pick that the Magic take. I just feel like yeah. that always happens. It's true. And I just, it's not his fault. It's almost like when you, when uh, people were mad at Chris Haps for getting drafted because um, it was Bargani 2.0 or something. It's not fair to do this to every Magic rookie, but it's going to happen to Mobamba. It's going to happen to everybody. It's going to prove it otherwise. They, they kind of just take the same player. It's always like a long, athletic guy, high upside, um, probably going to be a good defensive player, and then they always turn out to be really just kind of middling. In Orlando, anyway. And then they go elsewhere and they play a little bit better. But in Orlando, it never works out. It's true. We've seen it with, you know, obviously Depot was, was great elsewhere. And they've had other guys, like they start re-signed Aaron Gordon. They've had some other guys that haven't quite panned out. Can we put one thing to bed? I don't know if we've put this to bed yet. Because there's been things on Twitter from the mainstream media, not to use that in a, in a negative way per se, but... Knicks fans didn't boo the Kevin Knox pick. Can we shut up with this? Not a single Knicks fan that I talked to that we interacted with on Twitter was livid about the Kevin Knox pick. When we ran the poll after, it was 85% people said they're excited about the pick. A couple dumbasses went on the air on ESPN, decided to get some airtime and boo the pick no matter who it was, unless it was Michael Porter Jr., which I'm so glad the Knicks didn't pick him. Can we just put this to bed? Not a single Knicks fan was booing this pick that should hold any sort of reputable status in anyone's mind. Yeah, I've been reeling against this for a little while now. I think a bunch of us have. And it's just so, it's so blatantly obvious. It, Everyone, it, understand, we are not booing the pick. We liked Kevin Knox before we saw these games. The mass, just, vast majority of us but, did. But, um, I, I don't know. I just feel like it's really silly. I mean, we all know what that kid looks like from the, the KP draft. We all know. Yeah. It just seems very disingenuous to pretend. And there's a lot of respect, you know, people that I follow on Twitter that I respect who have been tweeting you know that like it's a fact and i was like you're better than this mm-hmm. you, you really are this is it's the same kid you know it's the same kid they set him up he's not even he's unironically wearing kp jerseys him and his father like it's it's obviously on purpose you know what i mean and and nobody's just calling it out for what it is and it's just i don't know it's just like a, a narrative that ran rampant and i, I don't quite understand it like it's i so- wasn't even i wasn't even in on the next thing Right. You know this. I was really open. But I was with you when they selected Knox, and you said, that's who we thought they'd pick. I feel okay about this. I can get excited about it. I think that's almost exactly what you said to me. And for those of people that weren't crazy about Knox, I'm sure they said the same thing. I think everybody understood it. That's exactly. The thing. Like, I, I didn't it always like made it, sense, logically. Always. Yeah, I, I didn't like it. I didn't like his game from what I saw. I, I saw things too like. I wasn't in love with his game. Um, but that was always my stance. I was like, well... I see that they kind of play him at the wing and play him at the four, maybe to play next to KP. That's what we want. We wanted a, a good wing next to KP. If they feel this is the guy with the highest upside, it is what it is. Same thing with Frank. They needed a point guard. They took him. If it pans out, it is what it is, but they needed a, a point guard with high upside. If that's who they felt it was, that's who they felt it was. Right. So nobody booed. Everybody was either like, meh, okay, or some people really liked him. So it, it's very silly. I, obviously, all of our followers don't, you know, speak for all Knicks fans from, but from people that don't follow us or we don't follow them. I've seen a lot of, just a lot of pushback from all different, you know, sections of Knicks Twitter. It's, it's gotten out of hand. Nobody, 
I think in our actual Knicks wall mentions on draft night, there was maybe two people who were just like, I really wanted Michael Porter Jr. Right. That's it. And, and we have, you know, over 11,000 followers. Like, two people's not a lot. Exactly. And I consider our followers to be among the smarter of Nick's Twitter. The people follow us. We interact with them. We have great conversations. That's what makes our followers so great, and that's why we love you guys. I consider that to represent the Knicks. Obviously, they don't completely encapsulate everyone, but that's a big group of people we're talking about from a team that notoriously has their fans understand basketball, and they know what it means that's what they always talk about with the garden and everything. It's just been annoying to follow. And I, like you mentioned, people are better than this. They know that Knicks fans were never that down on the Kevin Knox bit just because a couple clowns got on television and decided to get their 30 seconds of airtime. Just frustrating. All right, one last thing before we head out. Just because we're going to have to talk about this over the course of the year. Percent chance right now that Kevin Durant would come to New York. Five. Five percent? That's low. Why, why do you think it's high? Why do you think it should be high? Or I, higher? I, I don't know. I'm probably buying into the narratives. There's just a lot that would make sense. If Durant cares about certain things, it's going to say a lot about who he is as an individual. And I've joked plenty about Kevin Durant. I don't really like him very much, and I don't like the Warriors very much. It's going to say a lot about who he is as a person based on what he decides to do. Because the Warriors are going to win the title this year. He might win his third straight finals MVP. At that point, what more is there for him to do? If he's the type of person that just is cool with chilling, with living in the Bay, with winning titles, then that's fine. But if we think that he has that type of mentality, that he wants to prove to other people that he can lead his own team, I don't think any situation other than New York makes any sense. I'd put it at like 15%, even maybe 20%. Five is too low. I just don't see it. I feel like... And again, this might be cynicism, but I've long felt that we should just stop with the free agent stuff until we see it and not a second before. And, and I still feel that way. That's fair. That's fair. But yeah, what everybody, if, I, everybody, I, I, proposition for you. What if Kevin Knox is like crazy, crazy good this year and all of a sudden we get to free agency next year and the Knicks have a ton of cap space. They've maneuvered all these things. That's why I think in the for the first time in a while, I don't think it's wrong for people to get a little excited about free agency and the options that are going to be out there because with Porzingis coming back, if Knox ever is impressive and the Knicks have cap space, and I think the laughing stock of the Knicks is slowly dissipating over it's, – it's a slow burn. But I think there's reason to be optimistic that the Knicks can get a guy. Who knows if it'll happen, but it, it makes more sense now than it has in several years. Yeah, I mean, for me, the thing is – it's, it's a lot of steps that would have to happen, you know? Yeah. It, basically, you know, Frank would have to take a pretty significant stride, you know, to the point where he's averaging around 10-ish points a game. Steals, defense are still there, you know, shooting at a slightly better clip. You'd have to see some kind of decent improvement with Frank, just, just to begin with. And then Knox would have to be very, very good, very, very quick. You know, not maybe Porzingis rookie year good, but thereabouts, you know, right. a little bit lower. He'd have to take a big stride quickly. Frank would have to take a pretty good-sized stride quickly. KP almost would have to come back early. Not early, but he'd actually have to come back this season, play, show he's healthy. So you'd have to clear those hurdles just to be able to leave the season and go, hey, we have Tim Hardaway Jr., who we can get out of here, but then look at our core. It's it's Frank. Look what he just did this season. You know, shows that he's really on the right path. He's going to be something pretty special. We have Knox, who is already special. We have KP, who is already special. 
you know, now you can sort of talk yourself into like the Lakers young core where it's like, oh, you know, Lonzo played pretty well this year. He'll get better. Ingram's really good. He took a big leap this year. Kuzma, uh, Kuzma's Kuzma, et cetera, et cetera. Then you can start to talk yourself into having that young core. But, you know, once that happens too, well, now are they going to be able to trade both those contracts? I mean, mm-hmm. Noah's got to be gone. Lee has to be gone. Timmy's got to be gone. So are you going to want to, you're going to find a market for that? If so, what does that mean you're going to have to give up? If you're going to have to give up something. So you got, you got to clear those hurdles as well. And then you got to hope all that stuff that you heard was true, where Kevin Durant's agent's interested in it. And, you know, even the Kyrie thing, which I think is just absolutely ridiculous. And everybody just thinks that he's going to come here. And again, I believe when I see it on a second before, but, you know, Kyrie would be walking away from 50 to $80 million that he could be making guaranteed with the Celtics for a guy who's had a history of knee troubles. So I just feel like too much, really too much would have to go correctly to get one of those guys. So that's why I, 5% is perfectly reasonable for me. I get that maybe the agent has interest, KD can easily be swayed, but then all of those other things would have to happen for him to consider coming here. And then same thing for Kyrie. It just doesn't, that doesn't happen for us. It hasn't happened in 18 years. I was going to say. I'll believe when I see it. It still is the Knicks. We need to keep that in mind. So Kevin Knox could still have a a terrible rookie year and Porzingis could come back and never quite be the same post-injury. Those are, those things are still clearly on the table. Unfortunately, we hope they don't happen, but we also need to consider that possibility. Yep. We shall see. We'll have plenty of time to talk about that once the season goes on. Cause I still don't expect the Knicks to, to win many games this year. How many games last final, 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 last thing, how many games would they win this year where you'd be like, that's exactly what I was expecting them to win. I'd almost have to say 25-ish. I was going to say 26. Like, I think 26 makes a lot of sense. Just from, we'll see when the over-unders come out. I'm curious what the Knicks over-under will be. I think it'll be right around there. 26 is the number that I would probably peg right now with there being probably less of a chance they go a tad over than a tad under just because of how, how poor some of the other teams in the Eastern Conference are. Somebody, and I'm just going to play devil's advocate for a quick second. And I, I think that they're too young, and I don't think the talent is, is going to truly be there. But somebody, maybe it was Charlie Zegers, brought up, um, are we sure this Knicks team's actually going to be bad? And then, sure. and, then, and then I said, yeah, I think so. Because <laughs> we were talking about the playoffs. And he's just like, well, I don't know. You know, Let's say they keep Cantor for the whole year, and, and no one gives them anything defensively. And, uh, you know, Timmy, let's say Timmy shoots just a little bit better than last year. Frank takes a stride. Uh, let's say Knox is pretty good, good for, you know, 15 points a game or so. You still have Courtney Lee as a veteran. You know, Fizdale has a more three-point happy system. There's more willing shooters now or guys that are going to shoot anyway, like Dotson, probably going to get more time. Are we sure that that's not a playoff team, like, in, in this new Eastern Conference? And, and to, still today, I said, yeah, but... I started to get his point where I was like, well, there seems to be a good amount of vets um, that could put up some kind of numbers to go with all these young guys, but it would still take all the young guys playing pretty damn well. This and the, is... other caveat, the other caveat he said, too, was if KP comes back for the last two months. so Which they shouldn't do. We're on record for saying they should not do that. They simply should not do that. Yeah. But they, I guess if KP comes back and he's... 75 percent of his former self knox is really good is it really outside of the wrong possibilities i think yes but this is the dream scenario 
for this season, how this season goes. The Knicks win between 25 and 30 games. Kevin Knox wildly impresses us. He lives up to the expectations we had for him preseason. Frank Nielakina shows improvement on the offensive end. Some of the bit guys start to play well. You see some promise. The Knicks end up with a top five pick again in this draft. They either use that pick to draft a guy, or if they're 100% sure they can get one of these stars, if they come to the sort of agreement where that is going to happen, they can use that pick and maybe offload a contract to get the cap space. That's what you should be looking for this season. Maybe KP comes back and plays five games. That's where the core success for the Knicks comes this season. And if they improve and they're better than we think because their rookies and sophomores show out and are all of a sudden really good, then none of us could be upset with that. But that seems like a ridiculous situation that just will not happen. Yeah, I don't see it. I think best case scenario, you know, everything that I just stated happens and then there may be like a decent 10 seat, but... And the problem is when you bring up those veterans too... It's not like those veterans weren't on the team last year with Porzingis for a while, and they started playing terribly with Porzingis in January. So Cantor, Hardaway, Lee, and you know you got to remember they're giving going to be giving minutes to Moutier, and who knows what Trey Burke will do this year. There's still a lot of poor players on this roster that might put up numbers but don't necessarily contribute to winning basketball. Yeah, I mean basically, you know they fell off a cliff last year after KP went down. So yeah, and they were they were, getting, they were getting pushed towards the edge with him still on. The team, so yeah. So, so you're bringing you're bringing back that team, except without him, most of if not all the year, and you're plugging in basically Kevin Knox and saying good luck. Like th- it wasn't a good team after he went down for, you know, two months. Right. I, I don't think we have anything to say that that's going to change, even with Kevin Knox. So. I agree. All right. So the Knicks play, depending on when you're listening to this, Thursday at four thirty against the Celtics. In tournament play, we'll be covering it over on the Knicks wall, so follow along with us. Get some more Kevin Knox clip, all of the clips your hearts could desire. Mitchell Robinson, we'll see if uh, if Frank plays. I would say that they'll probably hold him out, but we shall see. We'll see when the reports come out. So, 4.30, ESPN2. Until then, Kyle, good talking with you, buddy. Good night. Good night.